thousands of people walked past the garden with the neat privet hedge, the sage bush and the thick viburnum every day, not realising it harboured a deadly secret because deep in these bushes a killer was waiting. He was only young, but he was deeply indoctrinated into a life of crime, so deeply that he even copied his victim's appearance, the way they looked, the way they moved, the clothes they wore, just so he'd be left alone to his own devices. Welcome to episode 31 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. I'm your host, Rachel. I hope everyone's doing well. And before we start, I want to let you all know that I co-hosted a show with friends of the show, Cassie and Karina at Criticast, and it's going to be coming out next week, and I'm really excited about it. I really hope you have as much fun listening to it as we had making it. And it's all about an animal that they chose, specifically about a moth, but I'm not going to tell you anything more. It was a huge amount of fun and I really hope you you enjoy it. My podcast recommendation for this week is Grubbing in the Filth with Tom Sharp. It's a really interesting invertebrate podcast and he's got quite a philosophical approach to different animals, what he calls our creepy crawly mates. And I'm sure you'll discover what I mean when you listen to it. He's got a number of really interesting guests on the show talking about topics such as what it's like to live with 200 spiders, woodlice and the Holy Trinity, and more. So go check it out. It's been a while, well over a year, since I talked about an inconspicuous ladybird on the show, and they're always a lot of fun to do. You might remember, for instance, that Stethrus bacillus is used by the cannabis industry to stop aphids and scale insects on the cannabis plants. Or you might remember the notoriously hard to tell apart Rhizobius satura and Rhizobius chrysomaloides. So this week we're back in the UK and we're going to talk about a ladybird which you might well have come across. Although there's a very good chance you've not noticed it at all. Simnus interruptus, which has been given the common name, the red flanked Simnus, or alternatively, the red flanked ladybird. Yet another name for it, which is its translation in German, but I've also seen it in English as well, is the Tansy Dwarf Ladybug. So I've been looking up how to pronounce Simnus, and it turns out that I've actually been saying it wrong all this time. It's actually Simnus rather than Skimnus, as I was saying before. But I'm going to try and go with Red Flanked Ladybird in this episode, even though it is more commonly written as Simnus or not skimness interruptus, simness interruptus. It's in the coccinellidae, but in the simnonae subfamily, as opposed to the coccinellinae, comprising the seven-spot harlequin and so on. 
And in some older books, somewhat unfairly to the inconspicuous cousins, are referred to as true ladybirds. So last year, during lockdown, we did get a number of ladybirds attracted to a sage bush in my back garden. A seven spot, for example, laid a huge number of eggs. The majority of them did actually survive to adulthood. We also had pine ladybirds, 14 spots, two spots and even 16 spots on this sage plant at various points. But there is one kind of ladybird on the bush, which was rather surprising. And I also found them in other areas of the garden. And these were a very large number of Simnus interruptus larvae, pupae and adults. And they carried on breeding and developing into adults from sort of starting around March or April into sort of the middle of September. And that did keep me amused during lockdown. So Simnus interruptus is a very small ladybird. It is usually between one and three and usually around two millimetres long. The surface of the ladybird is covered with tiny hairs and the background colour of it is usually black, but it does come in a variety of different forms. The most common form has a pair of red spots at the front edge of the elytra by the pronotum, but the spots can be very varied, ranging from very narrow and very difficult to see to almost entirely red apart from a black line or key-shaped marking down the centre of the ladybird. According to andrewjewels.com, the ladybird shows, quote, an almost continuous range of variation. The two red markings reach the edge of the elytra and can even extend to the underside edge, which is called the epipleuron. Andrew Jules states on his website that Simnus interruptus is probably sexually dimorphic, observing that the male ladybirds have a red face and red sides to the pronotum, whereas the females have a black face and all black pronotum. And I'm not really sure whether this is true or not. There does seem to be a trend toward it, but I don't know if it's true in every single case, and I'd be really interested to know that. The leg colour is brown, and the ladybird has got a narrow oval appearance. And according to a German website I looked at, which provides keys and tips for identification of simless ladybirds, what it calls the upper lip on the female ladybird is yellow. And I presume, one, that you'd only be able to see this under a microscope because the ladybird is so small anyway. And two, that this lip is referring to the top sort of part of the mouth parts. But I'm really not sure what this is referring to. And it can look somewhat similar to other inconspicuous ladybirds, such as, for example, Simnus frontalis, which has got smaller, narrower markings lower down the elytra. And the markings don't actually go down to the edge of the ladybird. And I'm going to do another episode on it soon. Another ladybird it can be confused with is Simnus rubromaculatus. However, I'd say that they are so small and they're so similar looking, you could probably confuse it with all of them. Interestingly, though, the larvae do not resemble the adults in any way, although, again, they do look very similar to each other between species. The larvae are white and they're quite striking against the plants that you find them on. And if you don't know anything about them, they can actually be mistaken for pests, specifically scale insects and mealybugs, the pests that they eat. The later stages or instars are covered in a white waxy coating, and that helps to protect them from being eaten by predators. One study in 1996 found that Simnus interruptus larvae, which had developed a waxy covering, were more likely to survive attacks from ground beetles, ants, 
an even younger larvae of three different ladybirds, namely the pie ladybird, the two-spot ladybird, and the cream streak ladybird, all of which are known to eat them once they get slightly older and sort of diversifying their food range. But I didn't really see any of this when I was looking at my plant. And you can see that in some ways the larvae do resemble mealybugs with these waxy coverings. I also found one source saying that a closely related ladybird in the Simlis genus is able to release orange reflex blood as both an adult and a larva in the same way as what happens when a normal ladybird like a seven spot is disturbed. It releases this uh, reflex blood from its joints which is usually orange and tastes really bad. So if you've never seen them before, these larvae are really quite cute. Their heads are a light brown colour and they look like tiny pieces of fluff. If you've seen a pine ladybird or a kidney spot pupa before, the red flank ladybird, Simlis interruptus, their pupae look somewhat like that, with the larval skin splitting partially open to reveal the red pupa underneath. And during the vulnerable pre-pupal stage, before the ladybird has molted, but while its skin is still quite soft before the molt and it can't move, the wax is able to protect the larva. And once it's a pupa, it takes about a week for the adult to come out. It's quite difficult to tell similar larvae apart, and they do look similar, just like the adults, to others in the same genus. And there are not really that many reliable pictures online of either the larvae or pupae, so I'll just describe what I've seen in my own garden. As I've said, one of the main things this ladybird eats are scale insects. And to give some context here, there are two main categories of scale insects, armoured and unarmoured, and they are the absolute bane of many gardeners, farmers and so on. Not only do they suck the sap out of plants, which kind of drains the life from them, they often accumulate around the stems and the leaves and they make them look absolutely gross. Armoured scale insects are smaller. In most cases, scale insect females attach themselves to a plant once they're adults and they stay there for life whereas the males are flying and they seem a lot more sort of wasp-like in appearance. Unarmoured scale insects are called mealybugs, and in this case, females retain their legs and they can move around. The male scale insects don't live very long as adults, they don't feed and they only exist to fertilise the females. Some types of mealybugs lay their eggs in the same waxy layer they use to protect themselves, whereas others give birth to live young. There's also a few species which retain both male and female sex organs. And they're quite a popular prey source for all sorts of ladybirds. One of the worst things about scale insects is they're very difficult to get rid of because of the waxy coatings that they generate for protection. But this doesn't bother Simlis interruptus. This ladybird is frequently used as a biological control often in agricultural settings. It generally eats mealybugs and armoured scale insects, but I'm sure you'll be completely stunned to realise that it also eats aphids. And there's a paper comparing the efficiency of its eating of aphids with other well-known species of ladybird. It's also been found that the larvae are more likely to survive ant attacks with their waxy coverings and that Simlis interruptus larvae are more often to be found preying on mealybugs and scale insects and aphids that are being attended to by ants. And if you don't know, 
not only do ants farm aphids in the same way as a human farmer would farm sheep or pigs or, or whatever, but they also farm scale insects and mealybugs. And they can often be very defensive of their flocks, as much as I like ants. They do attack and kill predators, such as ladybirds, who try and make a move. But for Simulus interruptus larvae, with their waxy coatings, this isn't really so much of a problem. You can find Simulus interruptus in a range of garden habitats, including shrubs and trees. They are often found on evergreen shrubs, such as firethorn, spindle and verbanum. They also seem to like ivy. Andrew Jules records them turning up in all sorts of unexpected places, including weedy bins, where presumably they've come off branch cuttings that are being disposed of, and supermarket car parks. If you look at his site, he's got a whole range of pictures of Simless Interrupters ladybirds, showing all the various markings and forms they can have, and he's got them lined up against other ladybirds, including the 2-spot, the 22-spot, and so on, really showing off the tiny size. Simnus interruptus is common in southern Europe, especially Spain, France and Portugal. The majority of records of this ladybird are from the south of England, although it must be remembered that there are generally fewer records of any ladybird because there are fewer recorders, a smaller population, the further north you go. It doesn't mean that the ladybird is not there. But it does prefer the warmer parts of Europe, And there does seem to be a recent increase in numbers in the UK. Perhaps that's due to climate change. You don't really get it in Poland, in Germany, in Scandinavia or in other colder parts of Europe. But you do find it in North Africa and parts of the Middle East. And it's not really known where these ladybirds choose to overwinter as there are not really that many records of them being found during the winter. But what is known suggests they do overwinter in woody plants and shrubs such as privet bushes and hedges. I've not really been able to find out much about the longevity and I don't really want to quote anything on anything else in the Simlis genus because they're all quite different ladybirds with different habitats and food sources. The ladybird is not really that easy to find because it's so small. But although it's small, it's really useful eating up all the dreaded scale insects in your garden. A good way to find them if you're interested, might be to use a beating tray. This is a piece of entomological equipment, which is basically a canvas or a sheet attached to a metal pole with four spokes. You get it all set up, then you place it under a bush or a tree and you tap the branches with a stick so that the insects fall down onto the canvas and are easily seen. And it's really useful for finding inconspicuous ladybirds. And another tool which I don't actually have at the moment, but if you're interested, another tool that insect enthusiasts use to tell inconspicuous ladybirds apart from other beetles and each other is a hand lens. A hand lens is basically just a magnifying glass. They look at the ladybird through the lens and see which type is up close. So I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode and do keep a lookout for this very tiny ladybird. Hope you see it at some point. If you like this show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at Kofi at www.co-fee.com slash HWAB podcast. You can like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, or follow me on Twitter, HWAB podcast, or on Instagram, 365.ladybird. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. 
See you next time and goodbye for now.